start a series um, in uh, looking at the Trinity, okay? Um, the Trinity, if you... Um, uh, I thought Keith would put the, the slide back on. It's all right, it's okay. I don't, I don't, it might distract everyone if I put that up. But um, um, the, the, the idea of the Trinity, God is three persons. One God, three persons, okay? Uh, if you've come across this or whether you've thought about it much, it's a central doctrine to Christianity, Orthodox Christians, that's the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, and all the Orthodox churches, they hold this doctrine as central. The Catholic Church holds the doctrine of the Trinity as a central doctrine. The Protestant Church holds the doctrine of the Trinity as a central doctrine. Um, It's the one thing, actually, well, one of the things, one of the few things that that we, we all unite on, that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and this is something that um, they, defin- they defined this back in uh, the, sort of the early 300s AD. So it's been around a long time, this idea. Um, I mean, you find it in the scriptures, but they, they formalized the idea that God is a, a trinity, triune God. And if you read um, the, the history of the church, the Nicene Creed, remember a few years ago we went through the Nicene Creed, um, which was... St- Established AD three two five, if you like your history, yeah. Uh, there was a council got together and they they put this in as a, as a key doctrine. So it's a key doctrine, all right. And and if we were to say as a church, for instance, we don't believe in the Trinity, we'd probably get we'd get chucked out of the Baptist Union, we'd get chucked out of the Evangelical Alliance, we'd get chucked out of you know we'd be called not a church anymore, pretty much. Okay, that's how central it is. So interesting that it's central, but ask most people in the pew, explain the Trinity to me. How does that work? One God, three persons. Everyone kind of goes, hmm. Because few of us really, really understand it. Uh, And it's a theological truth, but that's about it. (laughs) <laughs> it's on a doctrine statement. It's hard to explain. Um, and it's very difficult to find analogies or comparisons. And you've, you've probably heard these things that, oh, well, God is a bit like water. You can have ice, you can have steam, and you can have liquid water. So God is like that. But then when you start to go into that, you realise that actually God is God three persons all the time. And water isn't always ice at the same time as it's steam. You, those things... It kind of works, but it doesn't work. You see, so the idea falls down. Or you might have heard then people say, oh, well, God's like a three-leaf clover. Same, same thing, just different leaves. Um, or you might have heard someone say, well, God's like an egg. You've got the shell, you've got the yolk, and you've got the white. But it's one thing. And, and so there, there's a certain healthfulness to these things, but they're not perfect. Um, and sometimes, if, if you saw earlier, I had a diagram up on the, on the screen. Um, you, you can draw out a diagram and you think, okay, I think I get that, but I'm still a bit confused. But at the end of the day, the idea that God is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, three persons, is a mystery. Okay? It's a mystery. And I'm not going to try and explain the mystery. All right? So there you go. But I want instead for us to explore the mystery. Okay, um, and in discover and encounter our literally three-dimensional God. Yeah, and so I've titled this series "Practicing Trinity" because I don't want us just to learn the 
the, the, the kind of facts, okay, God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, and, and learn how all that works, and then put, put that kind of information, if you like, on a shelf, and then just leave it there to get dusty. But I want us to, to understand and explore so that we may grow in our appreciation of who God is, because we're made in the image of this God. We're made in the image of a Trinitarian God. And so that I want us to put the Trinity into practice in our lives and, and explore that. And as I was thinking about this, just the idea of exploring, I'll tell you a story now. When I was, um, when I was young, a <laughs> long time ago, um, my mum my comes from uh, Whitley Bay, which is up near Newcastle on Tyne. And we would go... Um, uh, we would go up on holiday there quite often, actually, because Dad had f- uh, cheap flights, so it would cost £5 to get on a plane, and we'd fly up to Newcastle because um, he worked for British Airways. And so we had a bit of a routine. We would always go to the beach. We'd always uh, go to the swimming pool, and because it was often raining, uh, just English holidays, you know. And one of the things we'd do is we'd go to Newcastle Town Centre, and we'd go to the shopping centre, and I'd spend my pocket money, buy some Lego or whatever. But, in, but also, the shopping trip was, for most kids, as shopping trips t- tend to be, eternally boring, you know, because the, the toy shop was the carrot at the end of the stick, really, for me. But the other carrot at the end of the stick was the, there's a shopping centre in Newcastle, still there, called Eldon Square. I don't know if anyone's been to Newcastle. It's a, it's a different country, isn't it? And um, they used to have, they don't anymore, sadly, these big sort of pencils, like, but they were a climbing frame. Like, so you, these massive pencils. And I just loved it. You know, I, it, it, this would be my thing. Like, and it, would, it was almost like entering a different world and you would get to climb on these pencils and there was bits that were chopped off and you could climb on and step on this thing. And I used to love it. And I was like exploring this big adventure kind of world in my mind. So I went to Google this thing just to see if I could show you an image. <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's no longer there, but it was like, like four of these little, little... They are little things. But for me... As a child, they were just like another world. Do you see? And I think God is like that to us, you know. If you view God from God's perspective, God is just God. But if you view God from our perspective truly, he is just so multidimensional. You can climb around and in and through and keep going. And I used to go around and around these things and up and down. and, And that is our God. So I hope that as we go into this, we will see that God isn't some flat idea that we might better sort of describe in a diagram. But actually he's a, he's a God in three persons that we can explore and, and get to know. So, who can explain this then? One God, three persons. Three persons, one God. How do we get that? I think part of our problem is that we have an idea about God before we start. Yeah? We have an idea of what God is like. He is, for instance, creator. Or he is the one authority in the universe, or he is the all-powerful one, or he's the old and distant one, or he's the judgmental one, or he's the loving one, or he's the never-satisfied one, or he's the angry one, or he's the, he's the just one. We have an idea of God, and that usually one idea kind of dominates our thinking. And then somebody tells us, oh, but God is three persons. And then you start to think, right, how do I get... I've got this idea of God, and now I'm just trying to fit three persons into this one God. It's like, you know, you've got a bag and you've already got it full with, you thought you had your bag full of God and then you're going to put two other bits in. I mean, how does that fit? It just doesn't fit. 
And so we try and fit three into one and it doesn't seem to work. So here's my tip, okay? Don't start with one and try and fit three into it. Start with three and know that that is what one is. Ooh. Okay? Because at the end of the day, this is where God starts. You know, we're coming to this late in the game, but in the beginning, God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that was, that he was God. So he's like, he, this is natural for him. But for us, we're trying to fit three into one. It doesn't, so rather than go from our perspective, start from his perspective. He was here first. Don't start with the one and try and make it into three, but start with three and know that that is the deepest nature of one. Start with three and know that fundamentally that is the nature of being one in a unity type sense. I think we tend to look at it from a maths problem. We think Trinity, and who, who likes maths? I used to love maths at school, mm. equations. Yeah, some of us do. Some of us do, some of us don't. I know some of us don't. But we tend to think of this. I mean, the ones of us that do think, right, I'm going to see if I can solve this math puzzle. puzzle and we get three and we put the one. And, and then those of us who hate maths think, oh, yeah, this doesn't even make sense. And we kind of start to make our heads spin. But it's not, let's not think of it as maths, okay? Let's think of it, first and foremost, as relationship. And the, uni- the unity of one is foundationally seen in the relationship of three united, totally and wholly. Which is a mystery, particularly if you look at it from a mass perspective, but it's a revealed mystery if you look at it from a relationship perspective. And that's what we're going to look at today, just relationship. So I'm going to read you a couple of passages of scripture. You can turn to there if you want. The first one's easy to find. It's in Genesis chapter 1, so that's literally the beginning of the Bible. And um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you want to turn there, you can. So if you read through the first bit of Genesis, it's talking how God creates um, the heavens and the earth, and he creates the plants and the and vegetation, if you like, and then animals. And then on the sixth day, in verse 26, it says, Then God said... Okay, so far so good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. I have to say, I don't know why this is made more of a deal of. This is the first page of the Bible, and God says, one God says, let us create mankind in our image. Who is this us? It doesn't tell us here, but right from page one, God gives us a very big clue that he is, he is us. He creates humanity in an us image, male and female. So we talk about a married couple as one, don't we? You know, united as one. So here's that idea of coming back to the, let's not think of one and try and fit three into it. But actually, right from the very beginning, God had unity in us. And he was still one. If you move on then to John chapter one, which is a little bit more difficult to find. It's um, near the beginning. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But this is the beginning of John chapter one. And it uses words that are a bit confusing because it starts to call Jesus the Word. Um, 
the word who became flesh, but it's, it's quite poetic in a way. But it, it echoes some of this stuff in Genesis. And I'll read you the beginning of John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Okay, that's a bit confusing. <laughs> in the beginning... Uh, Jesus, let me put it in, in using Jesus instead of word just to make it a bit easier for us to stand. In the beginning, Jesus was with God. He was with God. And he was God. Hmm. Maybe it's this us thing again. He was and he was with. Jesus is both God and he's also with God. So we've got in the beginning, create, we're created, God creates mankind in his image when he says, let us create. And then later on we find that God is with God and at the same time God is God. So before even everything starts, I hope this isn't doing your head in, but what I'm just saying is that before creation, before anything else, God is an us where he is with and also he is. And you can summarise this, if you want to, if that's a bit confusing, you can summarise this, and I'm, I'm quoting a, a, a writer called Richard Rohr, who says, in the beginning was the relationship. Right before time began, when there was just God, in fact, even just saying just God is, is kind of just, does it an injustice, because he's not just God, he's three persons in one God. But in the beginning was the relationship. Does that make sense? In the beginning was a relationship. And therefore, and if you, you stop thinking about it, everything that God creates reflects this. Everything in creation is relational. If you talk to scientists, and you want to talk to scientists, and you listen to them, you, they will tell you that the galaxies and the stars interact with one another. You know, on a massive level. You know, there's, there's gravity and, and, and things are interacting on, on huge sort of galactic uh, systems. The planets and the moons interact with each other. Has anyone ever looked at the, the relationship between the moon and the earth? Has anyone ever done any study on that? Did you know about this? It, you know, if we didn't have the, uh, the moon, we, we wouldn't, we'd be toast, you know, as a, as a planet. The moon gives us our tides, you probably know that. Um, but I found out that the, the moon, if we didn't have a moon, our axes would tilt quite a lot. Apparently Mars does this. Is it Mars? No, Wolfine. One of the planets that doesn't have a moon, the axis tilts. Now, if the axis tilts, then the climate, we think we've got a problem with climate change now, but imagine if our, if our axis is tilting continually, we've climates all over the place. Also, the moon uh, keeps and protects us from um, stuff hitting us in space, because it kind of sucks up all the, takes all the hits from the meteors and asteroids and stuff. So the moon is essential. We have a relationship with the moon. Yeah? It's not just that light in the sky, but the, this planet interacts with it. And, and, and when you stop and think about everything in creation, it is relational. In the beginning was the relationship, God, and he created stuff, and he created stuff, and everything is interacting with each other. So you go down to even to atomic level, and maybe Cherry can help us out. She's a bit more brainy with this kind of stuff. But, you know, the electrons and the protons and the neutrons, they're all kind of interacting with each other inside the molecules that make up everything. Yeah? So whether it's the plants that need sunlight and CO2 and we need water and oxygen, whether um, it's the idea that every living thing comes from another living thing, whether it's you've got the, the water cycle, the clouds, the rain, the seas, the river, 
You name it in creation, stop and think about it, everything works in relationship to something else. And therefore bears the image of God who in the beginning was relationship. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay, we're getting to this. Nothing stands alone. Nothing stands alone. And so coming back to our, trying to get our head a little bit round, exploring the Trinity a little bit more. I think part of the problem is we live in a world that likes to um, categorise things and define things in maybe in the wrong order. We like to uh, talk about the substance of something, but actually often the relationship is more important. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. So if we like to say, talk about the substance, we like to define something, it's like this, this and this, but actually the relationship of that thing is actually more important. So I might say, a fish. I don't know why I picked a fish in my mind when I was preparing this, but a fish, right? A fish has uh, fins, some scales, a mouth, two eyes, and a gill. I have just described a fish. I can draw you a fish. That is a fish. We've just defined the substance of a fish, okay? You might even want to go as far as saying, it tastes nice if you cook it, okay? But that's, that's a fish. It's a creature, and, but if you describe it like that, you've made it sound like a fish exists on its own. Right? It's got eyes, it's got mouth, fins, scales. goes like this. But actually, we haven't mentioned that it needs to live in water. It needs to feed on other fish, probably, or little creatures. It probably is food for other things. If we just define its substance... We haven't really said much about it, but if we define its relationship with the world around it, then we have a much better idea of it. Does that make sense? Yeah? So you could equally say, this is a stone, or there is Ben, if you're talking, you see somebody. And, you, you, you know, you're, if you're identifying them by the substance, you think, well, this is a stone, we all know what a stone is. Yeah, that stands alone as a stone. Or there is a bloke called Ben. Yeah, we know that. And that's very one-dimensional. But if you start to think, okay... That stone that we're talking about is the foundation of my house. And that house is the place where I live and where my family live and where we feel safe and where we're sheltered from the the rain and and the cold and where we we have time together as family. Then I have a relationship with that stone. Does that make sense? That stone means something to me now. Similarly, if I said, well, there's Ben, you go, okay, there's Ben, some person. But if I tell you that Ben's one of my best friends, he's somebody who understands me, who stood with me, who uh, has, has encourages me, who's helped me, you're starting to get a bit of relationship. And you're, I'm, I hope you realise that that's a bit more interesting, isn't it? Ben as my friend, and my relationship with him is more interesting than just Ben as a person. You know what I'm talking about, right? In fact, funny enough, I, I was thinking about this. When Ben first became... Uh, came to town, I went to his um, induction service. So ben, if you don't know, Ben is the pastor at the Baptist Church and we're very good friends. And he came and he, I went to his induction service and I, just, I was there just because I was doing my duty. You know, I went there dutifully because that's what you do as a pastor. You go to these functions. And I listened to him give his talk to, and I just thought, here is Ben. He's a pastor. And I thought, particularly with Allison Baptist Church, we've been through some hard times. I'm thinking to myself, good luck to you, mate, because this, this is... Tough gig, you know. This is a hard, the hard situation the church was in, and that's as far as it went because all I saw was a man. 
And often we see people just as people, don't we? But once you start to realise there's relationship, then that person becomes, comes alive to you, don't they? Does that make sense? Relationship is so much more important than just saying, here is a person. How you relate to that thing or that person is, is so much more interesting. So you come to God, and our problem is, we want to try and define him as a substance. He is God. He is like this, he is like that, or he, he has this characteristic. And we might even say he's Father, he's Son, he's Holy Spirit. And if you've got three standalone things, then, and you've defined their substance, yeah, okay, maybe it's interesting, but what brings it to life is you realise that these characters are related. They have relationships, they have interactions. None of them stands alone. God doesn't stand alone. Even one God does not stand alone. Eternally, he has relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's an interaction of communication. There is love, there is giving, there's receiving, there's sharing, there's participation in God himself. God is relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but that, for me, makes God immediately more interesting, more appealing, more captivating than just the idea of God. There's flow and there's connection with him. God in relationship opens up dimensions to knowing God that ways otherwise we wouldn't. Because going back to Genesis 1, it says, let us create mankind in our image. We're created in the image of a relational God. Therefore, we're created to be relational comes back we've talked about this the reason why we've been singing together isn't it the last few weeks in fact it says in Genesis as well it's not good for man to be alone why not because we're made in the image of a relational God we're made to be in connection and relationship with the things and the people around us none of us are standalone entities we're made to interact interact with the people around us um, our community around us, our environment around us, our culture around us, to give, to receive, to help, to be helped, to, to need, and also to, to be needed. And our problem is we live in a culture which celebrates what? It celebrates me, the individual. It puts actually the substance of a thing that, uh, right above the relationship. So we give high value to people who are they have great intelligence or they are wealthy or they are good looking I did a gig yesterday I was telling Brian about it uh, it's just in a, the kind of place where there was like 1% of the population were kind of the people that would be in this restaurant you know, in this bar it was just all the trendy young beautiful looking people I just got in only because I had my instrument with me and I was playing it otherwise it would have been I would have been that place let's say and the world sort of puts these things because we put these things, the strong, the fit, the powerful. And what those things are celebrating is what I have achieved, or me. We put our substance before our relationship. People that become self-reliant, self-centred. And what happens? They end up alone. They stand alone. Look at what I can do. Look at what I've achieved. I meet a lot of people that are desperate to tell me what they've achieved. Do you know what? I'm not that interested in that. I'm just interested in who you are. Because I don't really care about your substance so much, but I care about the relationship. 
Now, those things do interact, don't get me wrong. But if re relationship must come first, if we're going to be people that are living in the image of God and living healthily in the image of God. And I think today, if you consider, there are so many people I meet who are, what are they? They are alone. They are lonely. A lot of people that come into food bank. You know, we meet people that are living homeless and their family lives in the same town. How can that be? How can people get to that place of isolation? How can so many people in our community seeing... One of the characteristics, I'd say, of Adelson's, a lot of people are estranged from their family or their friends and live alone. They may not actually live completely alone in that they may have their children with them, but they are isolated and they're, they're vulnerable as a result. I think the good news, to see there's, there's good news in Trinity because when we, we say I'm saved, yeah, we talk about our sins being forgiven, which is true, but as well as that, we are brought back into relationship we're brought back into the place where we should be in the first place, which is in relationship with God and also in relationship with one another. We're sitting here together because God has brought us together and he's brought us back to be a people, to be a relational people. The Psalms, Psalm 64 says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I've always loved that verse. And now I'm studying this on Trinity, I'm realising it makes sense. Why does God settle the lonely in families? Because he wants to rescue those who are on their own and say, come and be back with me and be back with my people because that's how you're made to be, because that's who I am. I'm a relational God. In the beginning was the relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes along and, he, and he's, he's the son, the, the eternal son of the Father and he saves people from their loneliness. And how does he teach us how to pray? Cherry led us in this prayer this morning. What are the first few words of the Lord's Prayer? What does that mean? We are now in relationship with our Father. And he's not just... He doesn't say, my Father. He doesn't say, pray like this, my Father. Because that would be an individual prayer, wouldn't it? But when I pray, our Father with you, he is our Father. Not just my Father, not just your Father. So God brings us to be part of a family. In the beginning was the relationship. We are made in that relationship. There is relationship with the people around us. There is relationship with the world around us. And I'm not saying this just happens in church, by the way. This doesn't just happen in church. You know, you will find people, wherever people gather together and there is relationship, then you, you see the image of God in that. But only in church would I say that there is true connection with the Father. And only through Jesus can we truly know God's family and God himself. And we'll go into that more another time. So, just to finish off, if you think about Jesus' summary of... You know when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What does he say? He says, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbour. That's, that's, basically, that's basically it. And if you think about it, what is that saying? That is to, that's saying, get back to being who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in the image of God, and that is in relationship. And so 
love God and love the people around you. Simple. Be like me. God is saying, not be like me, said Richard, but be like me, said God. It's good news for you to be in the image of God because this is, is how you're created to be. And as you read the scriptures, you'll see a lot of God's plan is about bringing people back, back into relationship, back into family, back into community, back into connection. So my prayer is that as we, we just reflect on this, that in the beginning was the relationship. And we are made in the image of that relationship. Allow Jesus to show you how you relate to the world around you. You aren't just people defined by your substance. The world would not value people like us very highly, would it? I mean, none of us here are politicians. None of us are running for the conservative leadership. You know, none of us are are running companies. None of us are models on a catwalk. None of us are sports people that, you know, great achievement. But if you think about it, the most important people to us are possibly some of the people in this room. You know, not because, you know, Sheila is very important to me. She's nothing special in in one sense, in the world sense, but she's very, very special to me because she's like a mum in many ways to me. Same, Margaret, Keith, Graham. I mean, I'm just talking about the older folk. Particularly when you get older, people just kind of write, the world tends to write you off because what can you can't, you're not very strong. Backs ache, you know, pains, you know, we have aches. So we can't do stuff. So the world says, well, you're down the pecking order. But actually, in God's eyes, relationship is the most important thing. So my relationship with you is invaluable. And the same with all of us, all around. I could go around and say that. So think about how Jesus brings you back into that that relationship with others around you. And think about the world around you as well. Just the the world has made the, the... Sorry, the science has made the world around us just things. That is grass. That is a tree. It just happens to be here because of whatever. But if you think about these trees, if it wasn't for trees, we wouldn't breathe. If it wasn't... I mean, I've really now started to appreciate sheep because of Ella's farming experience but I said to Louise the other day look there's some sheep in the field and now I understand that if there weren't sheep in the field I wouldn't enjoy Sunday dinner seriously you know or I wouldn't be wearing something warm in the winter we have a relationship with all of these things and the world the scientific world has just many ways just cut it off and made it well there's just an animal there's just a thing there's a thing and it's categorised like this but look at your relationship with it because in the beginning was the relationship that's our God and that's who he's made us to be that makes sense even the chairs we're sitting on yeah if it wasn't for the trees we wouldn't be sitting on those chairs they're made of wood wood is from trees just getting you yeah let us pray Lord we thank you for who you are in the beginning was the relationship Father, Son and Holy Spirit you've been there from the beginning from before the beginning and we thank you that you've shown us and told us that we're made in your image and we are best and at our best when we are living in that image that you save us from loneliness you save us from ourselves and just being ourselves and you bring us into connection with people around us you bring us into connection with the world around us and so we pray now Father in heaven 
Let us be like you, united with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us be unified and drawn together to the, the creation around us, to the people around us, that we may know how to love you and to love one another and therefore be just in living in the fullness of life that you've called us to be living into. I thank you for each person here and each person how you've drawn us together as a family and I want to pray a continued developing of those relationships because the more the deeper we go with each other the deeper we go with you the more we are like you and the more we are who we're supposed to be so I pray open our eyes to see how we relate to the world around us open our eyes to see how we relate to the people around us particularly the difficult people out in the world outside where we would say I struggle with that person but Lord, help us to see how we're related to them through you. And let us speak to the world around us just a message of God's salvation that brings the lonely back into families. And I pray even this week, if there are people that we find that are lonely, let us bring a ministry of, of reconciliation and, and joining back. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh,